You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it's everyone's favorite pasta dish. Drew Gasparini here with another terrific episode of Now We're Talking, the podcast that is suing Amazon. Because why not? I'm thrilled about today's guest because I've known him for many years and I've been able to watch him become a literal big deal. It all started when I forced him to pay too much money for a masterclass I was teaching. And since then, he's gone on to great success on Broadway as the swing and the cult hit Be More Chill. And on the hit Netflix series Dash and Lily, he played fan favorite Langston. I've always known that he was destined for greatness and I can't wait to see where he goes next. It was a thrill getting a chance to yes and with my friend of many years. You love him. I love him. And now he's here on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, now we're talking with Troy Iwata. Uh, Troy, how are you, my friend? It's so good to see you. Is it? Yes, of course, it's always good to see you. Tell me how you've been. I've been great. I'm in a new apartment and that's it. All right, well, thanks for being here. That's been this episode of this podcast. Uh, Can we start right out of the gate with some silliness here? Sure. Tell me, what superpowers do you wish you had? It can be multiple. Oh, okay. I want I want to teleport, but I I I love the theatrics of teleportation, like in the in the the concept of like a like a puff of smoke. Oh, okay. No, I I love that. Like the the caveat that comes with I want yeah, yeah, yeah. to be able to teletransport is it has to be in like a very kind yeah. of yeah. If I went to a wizard and I was like, I want to teleport, but these are my my qualifications. It has to be like a glittery sort of dark purple puff of smoke. And the wizard was like, I can't give you that. I'll be like, I'll just take the puff of smoke then. I love the idea of him saying, sure thing. And then you try to teleport and there's no smoke and you have to go back and like basically return the item. Return the item. <laughs> Back to the wizard and say, "This isn't what I asked this for. This isn't what I asked for. This is like according to the contract. There were there were clauses that included puffs of smoke. Uh, in like a hundred years from now, when they discover that magic is truly a real thing, there is going to be like Amazon wizards, and yeah. we're going to call them complaining that yeah. my smoke was green and I asked for purple smoke. I asked for I... purple, and I hate green." <laughs> The drama. God, do I love that. I like the idea of no one thinks of this as a superpower, but like really think now because it's been done poorly. I'd say 99% of the time that it's done Mm -hmm. bagging groceries. I think bagging groceries is like a skill set that lives totally on its own platform, far from human skills. I agree with you. I worked at Target in college and here's the thing. I picked up bag and groceries really fast. I don't think I'm Einstein, but I was like, 
I, you know, you look at the belt and you're like, I'll grab all the cereal first. Oh, and I then don't think that at I, all. I'm like, what are these I grapes? Think... To the bottom you go. What's this? What's this? A squishy loaf of bread? Down to the bottom you go. I say it out loud. Anytime I bag somebody else's groceries, and I never work at these places. I just do it. You just volunteer at the grocery <laughs> yeah, store I, just to fuck everything up. I walk into a Ralph's and I just stand at the edge of all the cashier yeah. stations and I start bagging strangers' groceries. Um, I think that if a superpower, like well, everybody t- tends to say flight or something like that. Sure. Why wouldn't turning into an animal or all animals just be the superpower? Because then you could fly and then you could like have camouflage and then you could like be as fast as a cheetah and you could be as hung as a, a walrus. Well, I actually, I, no, I changed my power. I just want to be a walrus. How about a walrus that can fly? A walrus that can fly. You, have walrus, you ever seen one of those? No. I, no, no. I have underwater no. when I imagine that the water is air. Oh, yes. So no. far, I want you to know that this is 100% the best episode that <laughs> I've I've done so far. Just Great. letting you know. Educational. So you got a new apartment. That's really nice. Yeah, I found, well, you know, it's a pandemic and no one's moving. So I figured I'd take advantage of it and I found a, a deal. I feel like I should, like, no one can see us right now, but you have very bare walls and... Uh, there's a, there's, I, a, there's a, a giant unicorn painting. Oh, right sorry, there me. is a unicorn painting. But yeah. look at the shit behind me. Do you see all this shit? I feel like I should give you half of the shit on the walls here. And I then think, you'd have a little... Uh, you just need some color in your life. I, just, I do. I, need, yeah. I have this unscented candle and... Um, Even the candle is dark is black. black. <laughs> That looks like the Hocus Pocus candle. <laughs> it's just like a giant black cylinder that I haven't even lit it. Oh, man. <laughs> he it. throws it. He throws it so haphazardly to the side. Oh, my God. What's missing in your life, Troy? What is missing in your life? I think I, I don't want to say stuff to do, but stuff to do. I was actually. No, just that's talking, totally a real thing. I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, I'm I'm so over people saying um People saying, you guys, we have so much time on our hands. Pick up a new hobby. You have time to do that thing that you always wanted to do. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut the fuck up. You know what? We also had time. It was called our whole lives up to this point. It's not Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden we learned what a day was. Yeah. No, I want to fill that day with shit I like to do. And I think that whether or not you're an extrovert or an introvert, you do get energy from other people. And the fact that we haven't been around other people, we're just exhausted from doing nothing. So you wake up and you like drink your glass of water if you can get it down. And then Mm -hmm. you take a nap. Yeah, no, I can never keep my water down, and then I I throw it up and I fall right to sleep. Yeah, and I can't. And I the the pounds are not shedding as fast as I thought based on my diet of throwing up water, throwing up water all the time, <laughs> throwing up water all the t- every morning, and then going right back to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I read something on Twitter today that actually had me laughing. It was like. Uh, uh, up bright and early now to start the 16 hour process of getting ready for bed. Getting ready for bed. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. That's what, yeah, that's what my day's like. I'll sit around and I'll, I'll, I'll verbally, cause I live alone now. I'll verbally say to myself, Troy, do something, do anything. Do something. Oh my God. What and, have you brought uh, yourself to do? I put, I put my cups up on the shelf. Oh, I'm really proud of Well, myself. that's it for this episode, everybody. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> 
He's drinking his water. Hold it down if you can. Um, uh-huh. If you can, if you can stomach it, hold it down. Hey, let, my heart does break for you because I feel like right up until I, I guess I could say this for a lot of my friends who I love, and uh, it was like happening. It was just happening for yeah. everybody. For you, you went from 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 being a huge nobody, a huge, a huge piece <laughs> of shit, nothing, a, a huge degenerate, disrespected in this industry, like yeah. wildly disrespected by everybody, looked down upon, and then all of a sudden, you make it to Broadway, you do the Broadway thing, and then quickly after that, you're filming this thing that ended up being quite successful on Netflix, uh-huh. uh, and then to have everything come to like this screeching pandemic. Uh, related halt, my heart really does. It breaks for the industry, but like a guy like you with the momentum you had, what did that, uh, that upheaval must have just shook you to your fucking core. Are you doing okay? I mean, clearly you've lost it. You have clearly. a black candle and that's it. But clearly. how are you maintaining I, a smile? Clearly I have nothing left. You have nothing left. There's no coming back from this is yeah. what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. it for you. God, she said, calm down, Troy. That's enough. Calm down. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, God. Uh, well, let's talk about everything leading up to when this momentum really started taking off for you and will no doubt resume promptly when the germs, as my nephew says, go away. Mm-hmm. I uh, I want to know more about you. I've known you for a good long time. We, mm-hmm. I, I, I taught master classes with you. We we did coachings together. I, and then- I, I, would, I wouldn't use master classes as a plural. Oh, sure. Master class. I, t- I, master I took a class. class that you told me to pay you to take. <laughs> That's how we met. Let's let's calm down here. <laughs> oh and let's let's put things in <laughs> let's put things into perspective. I was fresh faced in the city. You want to hear the best part? Here's the best part is I didn't make a dime of that money. Oh, you didn't? didn't (laughs) I I didn't make any of that money. That That all shit cost four hundred dollars. That's too much money for struggling artists. (laughs) Sign up here. That should be their slogan. Yes, no, that is how we met. You took a master class that I said you should take this master class (laughs) because you know up until perhaps up to up until that point we had had such success with the class. It was um sing the work of composers for composers and get kind of an insight to what they were thinking of. We had Tom Kitt and Adam Gettle and Mark Shaman and Janine Tesori. And we had a lot of people. I don't know who was the composers when you did that class. Do you recall? Yes. One of them was um, the the ever so... Uh, I'm not even going to think of an adjective. It was... Oh, God, you were at that class. I was... <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, like, I... <laughs> Here I am boldly making it sound like something horrible happened, but something horrible happened. Something horrible happened. I remember you apologizing to us. Yeah, it it got so bad in that class that I had to apologize to everybody. But I've never gone through something like that in my whole career, and I hope to never go through something like that ever again. To make to make a very blown out of proportion story very short, uh, I'll just say that we had everybody in that class sobbing yeah (laughs) and you know what you know why he didn't like me because i didn't cry oh my god i was the only one who didn't cry because and he was he was i he he gave it a few tries he was really trying to like essentially tell me to cry without telling me to cry and eventually you saw the disappointment when i wasn't gonna cry and he was like all right next he said the words up tempos are a waste of time (laughs) it's like (laughs) what kind of advice are we giving people here Let's talk about Be More Chill. Can we talk okay. about it? I just yeah, had Joe Iconis on the show and we talked to uh, we talked about this at great length. And Yeah, he and had something to do with that. He had a little bit to do with it. And uh-huh. it was actually a lovely conversation with Mr. Joe Iconis. But how'd you get involved in, and did you feel 
that fan hecticness geared towards you? Because I know that there were like the Lauren Marcuses of the cast and the Salazars of the cast and the Gerards of the cast. And then Why are the these plural? Why are these plural? It's, there's just because, one. Because <laughs> I see double of everything because okay. of all the drugs I did. Because of all the drugs. Uh, all the drugs I've done in my 20s. But, uh, but you join, you're a swing. What was that like with the fans? I want to know how your life basically changed from the attention you would get from the rabid fan yeah. base that Be More Chill had. I've it's used rabbit in a positive term, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, I, I loved being an understudy of that show because I always felt like I had sort of like the option to like be a part of it when I wanted to, and when I didn't, mm. when it was overwhelming, I could just say, "I'm just an understudy. Leave me alone." Well, I like the idea. You make it sound like you were so fluid in the show that you could literally <laughs> tap Gerard and be like, I think I'll go on today. I think like, I'll oh, go okay, on. Troy. <laughs> no, it was quite the opposite. It was George. It was George Salazar five minutes ahead of like into the show being like, and I went into it. Oh my God. <laughs> He's going to hate me. It was great. I like the the fans of that show are crazy in the best way. Whereas as, as soon as like they announced that like, who the understudies were, I got like ten thousand followers, and they were like, "We love Troy," and I was like, "You yeah. don't know me, but okay." Yeah. <laughs> I used to bag groceries at a Target. At a don't Target. Know shit. I know cereal, um, and that's it. Troy, yeah. was the dream always Broadway for you? No, I actually never really um, had that. It was like. I, for some reason in my mind, I was like, I don't, I, I don't have like very specific goals. I was like, in in the back of my head, I'm like, if Broadway came, I, I, I'd take it. I consider well, it. Well, that's, a, isn't, isn't that nice? <laughs> I consider it. Oh my God. For the love of God. Yeah, if Broadway I, wants me. If they I'm want here. me, that's fine. No, it was basically like, if I don't get on Broadway, I'll be fine. And then of course it happened. And I was like, oh, this is a lovely bonus to, to, to this life. That is mine. Yeah, no, I think that's a good mindset. So growing yeah. up, tell me a little bit about like what you what your trajectory was and what your passions were as a kid and and how the you know, what was the what was the dynamic within the family and the household siblings and how did that shape you to become a might I say very talented, hardworking performer? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. That's a really heavy question, Drew. Oh jeez. Well, my first my first memory is my mom <laughs> exiting my mother's womb? Is it? Is are we gonna go there? Is it no. that far back? Okay. No, it's three years later. Okay, <laughs> great, great. Three years later, I had just gotten cleaned off from that experience, and uh, I remember this. This is how I remember it. I remember my mom waking me up in the middle of the night and saying, "Get in the truck." And then I get in the truck, and my brother's there. And then my mom says, "Wave bye to daddy." And then we go, "Bye, dad." And then we left, and that was my parents getting a divorce. Oh my god! Really? That's like a movie. Yeah. Like a really sad movie. I think I was wearing like I, I picture me three years old, so I'm like two pounds and like two yeah, feet tall, yeah, and I'm wearing a yeah. little robe that has my name like monogrammed on it, and a Cute. little like sleepy hat and um and slippers. Oh my god! Oh my god! And then god. we're like, bye, dad. And then uh, we drove like two hours to a very small town in um in California, Lake Arrowhead. You've heard of it? Uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's where I grew up. In the the beautiful beautiful crack town of Lake Arrowhead. You said that's your first memory. Yeah. Is it actually your very first like that's my very, recollection? My first recollection, yeah, is like is like waving bye to my dad. 
Oh my God, Troy, that is so hard. Holy shit. And how did you, this is, here we go. This is a little therapy, but like, how do you think that shaped you? I can't really like, I, I thought never, was bad. I this is, this is. You're worse. <laughs> um, dear God. Um, <laughs> You're worse. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I have it. I need I need to write it down in a memoir. I like what's interesting is like growing up theater kind of all, was always in my life, but just in the sense of like my mom had five CDs in her car growing up that mm-hmm. I remember and it was like Avita and like a, and like a, and Cats and yeah. Fiddler on the Roof and those were like the CDs that she played. I didn't grow up like seeing shows all the time. Uh, but it was like I grew up knowing that theater existed and I watched yeah. like I watched like all the classic like Roger and Hammerstein movies and stuff growing up. And like, do wait, do you remember the Tom Sawyer musical? Yeah, I watched that growing up all the time. And whenever like my brother and I would clean, we would sing those songs. I don't know why. And cool. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like I feel like a lot of actors are like, oh, yeah, theater was was very prominent in my family and i'm like it was in existence but it wasn't like embedded into my life right like, it wasn't like a reality that you could like aspire to be a part of but yeah. like the the world was there you were listening to these cast albums yeah so and like as far the as mega hit tom sawyer musical thing that some yeah. people are aware of yeah. yeah where it's like tom sawyer da, 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 da. tom sawyer um as far as like performance goes, like, I mean, ever since I was little, my brother, my brother's only a year older than me and we're both gay. And like growing up, we would, we had this giant um, fireplace with this big mantle and we would play like a Mozart compilation CD, put mm. t-shirts on our heads and dance around. And then when my, and then my mom would film it. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And was yeah. it around this time that she was like, I think both my sons are gay. I think my both sons are huge. And, um, you know, what's funny is like the, the, the fireplace performances was, was an open-ended run and they went on for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine that rewrites were constant. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, the, we the show in, never, you never froze the show. We never froze the show. We dabbled yeah. in Bach and, uh, Amazing. you know, but, uh, yeah, like, so my brother started doing drama in, like, middle school. He did, like, drama club and stuff. I didn't, I was, I didn't, I wasn't in my first musical until I was 17. What was uh, that musical? It was The Wizard of Oz. And who were you? Uh, I was the Scarecrow. Of fucking course you were. That's the a Scarecrow great Scarecrow whose, whose human name is Hunk, which I think is hilarious. I didn't even, it's like Zeke and Hunk and, and it's Zeke and Hunk and, and, and flirt. literally I, yeah. I couldn't, I can't think of more white trash names for, for characters. Uncle Hunk. <laughs> Hunk. That's better than Hunkle Unk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh my God. And when like, you did, when you were doing the Scarecrow, and yeah. like this is iconic. I mean, these are all the iconic songs. Were you mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I'm doing the thing now? Like, yeah, the- that's right. where I think I had the cliche experience of like before that. I was very shy. I barely had any friends. I had no direction. I just like mm-hmm. stayed home. I was a huge introvert, and it was the first time that I was like. I feel like everywhere, every theater kid has this experience where it was like, oh, these are the people who under who I understand and who understand me, and I feel comfortable yeah. around. And, yeah. um, so, and, and it also, it never, 
it never really occurred to me like, I love theater. It was just like, oh no, I just like this community. I like these people. That's so great that you say that. We talk about that a lot in some of these other episodes I've done, especially with uh, Catherine Gallagher. We really talked about how theater is kind of the community. You can be as weird as you want, not because you're trying to be weird because that's just the part of you that you have to kind of keep hidden in most parts of the world. But in the theater community, it's so welcome and accepted. And we always use the, the cliche at this point, it's basically the land of misfit toys. Mm -hmm. I really, really, really like that about the theater community myself. I get to meet people like you and be like, this guy's nuts. I love, (laughs) I love this guy. (laughs) That's my response to that. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I you got me giggling like from the beginning of this thing, and I, <laughs> I cannot stop. It's killing me. Glad to be here. <clears throat> yeah. No. Thank you for being here. So after after you had this experience as the scarecrow, seventeen years old uh-huh. in high school, mm-hmm. was college for theater? Your I didn't want to go to college, bro. Same. I same, know. Same. 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 I'm glad well, that did. I did. I'm glad that I did. So my yeah. college, my college trajectory, I for some reason, I'm, I'm, I'm very opposed to change. Personally, it makes mm-hmm. me so uncomfortable. And yeah. so after high school, I legit thought that I'd be happy staying in Lake Arrowhead. And thinking back, I, I would. That makes me so sad for you. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm glad that <laughs> you got over your fear of change a little bit. I've been work. Be, probably be working at like the video store that the last one that in existence on the planet. I don't know. Yeah, the, the last one that exists. And just like putting up with people who putting come in wearing a, a Trump t-shirt or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'd probably still be trying to grow a beard, thinking it looks good. The worst kind of man is the one who can't grow a beard, but he's given it the try he's still. It's it like, try. it's been six years, Malcolm. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. This looks like a, like a knockoff Sharpie, kind of just like... Yeah, yeah horrible, horrible. <clears throat> so I went to... Uh, I, I actually went to two different colleges. The first one I went to, and it was too much of a culture shock. I went to Cal State Fullerton and just moved. That from- was a culture shock. Was going <laughs> to Cal State Fullerton. That's how sheltered I was. Oh my god! I have so many friends that went to that school. I love that you just said that. Just living like Lake Arrowhead, which has like twenty five hundred people in it, and going to a yeah. school with twenty thousand people in it, and not only that, <laughs> but like going to school with a bunch of kids who like have a really strong sense of self and know what they want, and me just wow. being like, I don't even know who I am. I was like still in the closet at the time. Yeah. And so I just kind of freaked out, and I just hung out in my room. I didn't go to class. I got a job at Disneyland, and that was like the only place that I felt happy obviously so Amazing. i so i ditched class i just didn't go to school i went to disneyland every day and i love like, the idea that school was the culture shock because yeah. it's twenty thousand people your age doing basically the same thing but disneyland is where you felt safe where i felt safe <laughs> Eighty thousand people coming yeah. in every day a bunch of yahoos from all over the goddamn world i like i like the songs and the colors well, there you go. And I think uh, Disneyland's a good place to like condition you for a New York City leap down yeah. the line. Yeah, you uh, meet yeah, people yeah. from all over the world. It makes you kind of racist in a lot of ways. It's great. Uh, so you're working at Disneyland. That's kind of your sanctuary. Yeah. What were and you doing in college? What was the major? What were you like? I was a, I was a TV, film, and radio studies major. What the I fuck don't is even that? What is radio studies? I don't know. <laughs> like in my head, you would think it's like being 
on TV or behind the camera, but I like, can't do you even, just repair radio? I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you what any of my classes were because I don't even remember them. I like blocked it out. Oh my god! It was god. the first time I walked into a classroom and the the, the class size was like five hundred. Wow. And like they, wow. gave, they gave you like a little beeper with the answers on with like with like A, B, C and D. And if you wanted to answer a question, you just push it because there's too many students for them to like talk to you directly. Wow. So you just okay. like pu- you just push the answer. And I was like, no one's going to know if I'm not here. I'm going to go right. to Disneyland. <laughs> they, they really did design it. So you didn't even have to be there. The schmucks. Yeah. Oh, my God. This technology was not around before I dropped out of college. So, so like six, six weeks later, I get emails from all my professors being like, so you haven't been here. So you flunked. <laughs> And <laughs> all I see is you getting getting this email and, and somehow in the background it's a small world is playing. It's a small world and I'm like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I it's it. like I remember like I called my parents and I like I was like ripping off a band-aid. I was like, hey, sorry parents, I flunked out. I I, I gotta leave. So yeah. I and um, of course that that was a whole debacle. But eventually they were like, "Well, what can you do?" But you're in charge of like taking care of everything. So I had to like go to the, all the offices, go to all my professors, and like unregister from school myself. And yeah. then uh, at the time, I was living in an apartment on campus with three other roommates. I waited until they were all in class, took all my stuff, and left. I did like an <laughs> Irish goodbye. They you just, Irish they, goodbye. <laughs> they, they they came home from class and Troy was gone. If they knew, oh my, my name. god, uh, yeah, and, and just <laughs> never spoke to these people again. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my god, I love the idea that you've gone on to some success, and some of these people that you might have like roomed with are now or seeing like, your name. I wonder if he's dead somewhere. <laughs> And then they see you on Netflix. That's crazy to me. What was the second college after you dropped out of Cal State the second, <laughs> the second college that my mom uh, also applied me for. I've never applied to college. My mom did it oh, both wow. times. Oh, okay. Shout out. What's your mom's name, by the way? Jessica. Give Jessica a hand for writing those essays. Shout uh, out to Jessica. Yeah, uh, the, the second one was called Vanguard University of Southern California, and it was a it was a Christian school in Costa oh. Mesa. A Christian school in Costa Mesa. So let me guess, this is the school that you chose to come out. And you know what? You know my you know my college coming out story. I sang your song. That's right. Yes, <laughs> you told me this. You sang a little bit that song of mine yeah. that uh, <laughs> that and- I had no business writing, but you said. <laughs> But you say it, and that was your that was part of your coming out. I'm I'm thrilled to be part of the process. I yeah, really, yeah, yeah. It was great. Amazing. So that one, it was less of a that was like a like a I don't know. There were like five thousand people at that school. More your so speed. More my speed, and uh, and I just majored in theater just because I thought it was so, I thought it was very strange that my mom was like very strict about me going to college. But then when I was like, I'm going to be a theater major though, she was like, Yeah, that's fine. Just go to college. Right, right. I I do think that's interesting because you're paying all this money for tuition to basically get in a line of work that will never, not in a long time at least, be able to pay off whatever debt or loans you might acquire. I mean, like college education is an A plus, but like theater college education, I'm always like, are we sure about this? And has my my Orange County Christian (laughs) Musical Theater bachelor's degree helped me at all in my career? Yeah, you presented it to uh, the team for Be More Chill. You were saying, I would like to apply for this show. And then yeah. they read it and they were like, well, you're And they went, oh, Vanguard of Southern California, <laughs> right across the street from the fairgrounds. There's a Jack yes. in the Box right on the corner. Wow. Now, yeah. have you eaten at a Jack in the Box recently? No, I miss it. 
I miss Jack in the Box. That is such a. Uh, that's not New York. They don't. I don't see those in New York. That's New a York fast thing. food sucks. It I'm sucks. Sorry. I'm not gonna fucking bow down to the lords of White Castle. It doesn't thrill me the way that say like a Jack in the Box. A Jack you get in that the number Box. Two? You think the two tacos are gonna be horrible, but they're fucking great. They're good. You stick they're that good. craft single slice in there, and I accept that. Yeah, and I then they randomly well. have a teriyaki bowl. Yes, I know. And I used to order that like all the time. It's a very, it's basically, it was the original Cheesecake Factory. It just kind of had everything on their menu, but it's worse and quicker. Yeah. There was one guy who worked at the Jack in the Box across the street from my college. His name was Jose and he was an obese gay guy with a lazy eye. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was so mad all the time. And I was like, well, you got a lazy eye. Maybe... Yeah, if you're know. obese with a lazy eye. I think we were also we were also like all showing up after after our show. So there'll be like 30 kids showing up being like, can we have it? And then someone's like riffing in the back. And he's like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, he's trying to roll his eyes like, this is hard for me because <laughs> one of them's lazy and you kids are making it difficult. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hi i bet you're all dying to know which composer's name we're bleeping out in this episode so i thought i'd take this time to tell you who we're talking about Psych! I'll never tell, suckers! But I do want to tell you all to continue to support our guests. Follow Troy Iwata on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Troy Iwata and stay posted on what's up next for him. And say, while you're in the spirit of supporting our artists, feel free to give this podcast a rate, a comment, and above all else, subscribe! Isn't it cool that the only ad space I use is to promote our guests and my show? Wow, what a whore I am! Okay, back to more conversation with our guest, Troy Iwata! Troy, random question for you real quick. Yeah. Do you think movies should have more tap numbers? Um, I think all movies should have a tap number that te- retells the entire story and it just goes mm. over, over the credits. I love that. I think that is so... Okay, great. We're going yeah. to pitch that to show what movie? What movie do you think is missing a tap number? Oh, God, like a great many of them. You know what number is absolutely, or what movie is absolutely missing a musical theme period? 12 Years a Slave. (laughs) That caught me so off guard. (laughs) That that like shocked me to my core. Because not only was like hearing that title shocking, but imagining it that as vividly as I did, as quick as I did. Uh, no, that wasn't what I was going to say. 
<laughs> I was going to say The Fifth Element. Have you seen that movie with Bruce I Willis? Have. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fucking... <laughs> That's a real answer, yeah. <laughs> that is a real answer. I was going to give a real answer. It looks like a musical already. It's, like, so fantastical and, like, big budget. And, like, why yeah. not make it a, like a Bugs, Bugsby, Berksby, whatever that guy's name. Bugsby, Berksby? Yeah. Is that who I'm talking about? Bugsby, you know Berksby, the famous tap number guy. Yeah, the guy who's famous for all those tap numbers. <laughs> for all those tap yeah. numbers. There's a statue of him somewhere in Times Square, I think. He's so famous for all those tap numbers. Uh, all right, back to back to you, Troy. Okay. I want to know more. <laughs> Leaving college, I meet you really shortly after this. I, you and I met. Uh, you were still pretty young. How old were you? This was like seven I was, years I, ago. Yeah, I was very underage, Drew, when we first met. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was I, an <laughs> inappropriate relationship out of the gate. Oh my god! It was uh, I was what 21, 22. I was twenty two. Yeah, you were you were a young buck, young talented uh, buck. And the truth is, and I don't know if you remember this, but I remember doing a a one on one coaching with you, which is that was when I, we first I, met. I do from time to time, and I was really I thought you were very talented right then and there when I first met you. I was just kind of bewildered by your talent. Do you remember oh. me being like amazed? I, I I remember meeting you, and that's kind of it. I don't I don't remember leaving and twenty two year old me going, "Wow, he was really bewildered by my talent." I was I was bewildered by your talent. I was so bewildered. I was like, "You should spend four hundred bucks on this master." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow, he really did me a favor there. <laughs> this, 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 this will launch you into stardom. Yeah, but but eventually you made your way to some success, and to see you start to build the resume that you are completely worthy of having, and then some, it it makes me really happy because I've always known that you've been this uh, immense talent. And I'm, oh, I'm just you. thankful that you and I have stayed in touch over the years because it's amazing to watch. Uh, can I ask a question about Be More Chill? Because yeah. it had such an interesting life mm-hmm. on Broadway. And were you you were part of Off-Broadway or, or both Off and On? Off and On, yeah. Off and On Broadway. I knew you were on Broadway. I forgot if you were Off-Broadway. So, uh, the way that that show went to Broadway and off Broadway and like this big, like, holy shit, very fast amount of success. What were some of the ups of that? And you can be as, as cliche and on the nose with those answers as you want. And what were some of the downs of that experience? I'm really curious because watching, first of all, watching Joe Iconis get to Broadway, the whole community had this buzz of like, he finally fucking, oh my God, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> thank God he did it. We've wanted this to happen for Joe for such a long time. But then the way that it kind of like had this weird, like yeah. what's happening with the show on Broadway? Does it have yeah. this audience? What happened there? So talk to me a bit about the up and the down. I think that hype is a very weird thing. Mm. And uh, like, the fact that it has such a cult, it has a cult following and that's where all this like power comes from. And it is un, it, not unfortunate, but it's interesting when that following is mostly like teens. Yeah, mostly like teens, a lot of like teens of the queer community and stuff like that. Not the demographic that can afford to go see Broadway shows. Right. So it's weird when it's like, sure, the the cult following is what launched it onto Broadway. And so... And also this being my first like Broadway experience, I had no kind of context for what this was like. So the hype was so high. And like the show itself has a lot of um, has a lot of references and product placement. So there was a time we were like, oh, my God, we're going to get like we're going to get contracts with Hot Pockets. We're going to get sponsored by Mountain Dew. We're going to get sponsored by like every single store in the mall that this that is in right, this right. show. And like so bef- like the leading up to Broadway was this like huge feeling and then it was interesting to sort of see how even the hype of like 
it was like the power of the children got us there. Yeah. But it but unfortunately it wasn't strong enough to keep us there. Yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. then here we are on Broadway where you need to have sort of the backs of like the main demographic of Broadway, which is like older rich white people. Yeah. And they didn't relate to our show. Well, don't you think that like a situation like this should be a screaming loud uh, wake up call to producers all over the commercial Broadway spectrum and saying that, like, look at the attention mm-hmm. that a young minded show can get if only we can make it more accessible, more affordable, you know, <sighs> Why, I mean, what, 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 what could they have done? I mean, like, honestly, they, they, I think this show is, is going to, is going to sit in the history of theater as an eye-opening moment for producers to try to continue to make musicals of this ilk more mm-hmm. accessible for a young cult-like audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much producers actually like those words accessible and affordable. Uh, no, you're right. I, they, <laughs> they hate them. <laughs> but they hate them. We need, we need, uh, we need new people in the game, I think. Yeah. I yeah, think let's shit on producers. Let's go name, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. name some and just shit on them. <laughs> you and I are both out of careers for the rest of our lives. I was just saying how uh, I was talking to, to my friend yesterday. I was like uh, how the words, the phrases Hollywood producer and Broadway producer get thrown around, in my opinion, way too much. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying I've been at I've been at a, a restaurant and some dude with a Music Man t-shirt and a fanny pack woke up, walked up to me and says, yeah, I'm a yeah. Broadway producer. And I'm a hundred percent. I go. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a, a holistic healer. I don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it is. It's a little silly. And and to for some of these people, being a producer means. Oh, I asked my aunt to give me ten thousand dollars to put into this one show that I happen to like, and I now I earned myself a Tony. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. okay, like I, I guess. like I donated to my niece's book fair. I don't claim to be a producer of the book fair. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I do. I go to book fairs around the country, and I. I'm say, a, This is mine now. I'm a producer of all books. <laughs> I'm a producer of books. <laughs> Heard of them? Oh boy. Uh, so when the show closed, when Be More Chill closed, did you have the "I'm unemployed, I'm scared" moment, or were you no, like, "No, I already, I already I'm booked, rough. I already booked my Netflix show by then." <laughs> oh, we love it. Let's talk about it then. Dash yeah. and Lily, what was the experience like, and were you surprised by the reaction this got? It seems like you are are good at hopping into shows that seem to really connect with a young audience, and I, and yeah. I mean that in the best way possible. Oh, thanks. This was it was a great experience. I like okay. So Joe Trace wrote Dash and Lily. I had I honestly had no idea about that. Okay. Joe Trace also wrote Be More Chill. Be More Chill, absolutely. So, <laughs> so yeah. I knew him. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, like I, I like to think that my talent brought me to a specific point, but you know, nepotism had a role. No, but your talent, because he, he wouldn't have just, you know, he knows a lot of people and he chose you because you're a talent. So let's yeah. not downplay here. You're very talented. I go it back to my original though. thought. Thank you. It was, uh, yeah. we were in like a rehearsal for Be More Chill and he pulled me aside and said that he was writing a new Netflix show and it was about the ha- this uh, mixed uh, Japanese American family and there was a gay older brother who was like my age. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And I was like, well, I'm perfect for that. Yeah. And he goes, ah, we'll see. We'll see. And then, and then you um, sent him a rose every day until I you sent got him a the rose part. every day. Sent him yeah. detailed hole picks and yeah. uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and two oh, months later, here we are. 
Uh, How long was filming? How long were you guys working on it? We shot it like September through December of 2019. And it's a Christmas kind of thing. Is it weird to have to wait (laughs) a whole year? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the weirdest part about movies versus theater i feel like because you're so a part of it until it opens and you're still until, in it. you're like yeah yeah, yeah. and sometimes you know? you're kind of like like i've done a few little bits on tv and i did one uh, like like i i was in this movie a while ago and i was in it for like two seconds and then it came out and it was like troy what is in this movie and i was like what the fuck is that yeah and i like I forgot, it up, I forgot i did this and i was like oh because the movie changed its title and i filmed it like four years ago and everyone's yeah. like i saw your movie and i was like what move? Oh yeah. Oh right. That that things like that happen to me all the time. And again, I know I, you say I say this all the time. It's definitely because of the drugs that I don't remember. But I like remember. I get tagged, I get tagged on things on like Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, and it's people singing songs of mine that I seriously have no recollection writing. You're I don't remember to the music, and you're like, you're like, this is good. Your friends like, <laughs> this is this is yours, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I often forget about the song a little bit. You know, anything that was written over 10 years ago, I'm like, that never happened. I, I just think, have I a, don't a, think a, you realize how many little gay twinks saying that in their shower being like, I, I'm gonna, I have I'm a better idea. My now. Mom. Yeah, I have a better idea now because of TikTok. And yeah. I was not on TikTok until very recently. And then when I joined, I was like, Jesus Christ, what's weird about uh, like any social media now, it's this is the first time in my life I'm actually feeling old, feeling sure. old in the sense that people are like, I sang this when I was in fifth grade. I'm like, oh, my God, what? You're 30 now. How how long have I been around? That's crazy to me. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, um, it really makes you feel old there. I, I, I'm on the TikTok as well. I don't make them, but I like I like watching it. And there was like oh, that's something. Nice. Like there was a TikTok and it was a mom and she was like, hey, younger generation, I just have a question because my daughter uses all of these phrases and gestures that I don't understand. And she yeah. just like listed through all of them. She's like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And doing like the the hand gestures and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't know what any of these fucking mean. I'm so completely I, like, out of touch. Yeah, I go in the comments. And I was very disappointed because it was just a bunch of uh, like Gen Zers being like, she doesn't know what it means. Yeah. And I was like, help this woman. Someone called me a boomer yesterday. I had a moment on Twitter uh, that freaked me out. Like I got people were like, he is just one of those white privileged male gatekeepers of the business. How dare he? This is the this is what they sure they, they they do have a point. I'm not going to dispute any of that. I, I certainly qualify myself in particular one of the gatekeepers. As a Troy. gatekeeper, uh, <laughs> just wait till one of my shows goes to Broadway. Yeah. You'll all see. My sister made a great point about the younger generation. They have been, and you're you're certainly still part of that. I think I'm in the, I'm older than you think I am. Yeah, I know you're 46. That's how yeah. old I think you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, um, but I I think a lot of these people that were born in 2000 or later, they were born with social media in their lives. Mm-hmm. And if you do something that seems like a jab at the internet, they take it as a personal offense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Really dumb questions. Do you mind if I ask you some dumb questions? Yeah, ask me dumb questions. 
Troy, I got I have a great time with you. Every time I hang with you, I have such a oh, good time. I just, thank you. I, just I have think fun. You're a riot. And I, I, I got to say, I'm loving doing this podcast strictly because like there's people that I just adore in this business, but I only get to see them when there's some collaborative setting presented to us and we get to yeah. like, share a stage or do a song together or whatever it is. Things like this are rare or few and far between. And I'm just I'm just so grateful that uh, I get to it's talk like- to guys like you. Yeah, you get to like have a nice conversation and possibly monetize it. Yeah, well, that's far down the line if that's yeah. ever going to happen. This is really just a selfish thing for me as of right now, and I really like it. Uh, Troy, tell me, Stephen Schwartz, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Stephen Sondheim, Janine Tesori, please rank them from who is least likely to most likely to wear a MAGA hat. Can you read them again? <laughs> I sure can. Here we go. Stephen Schwartz, mm-hmm. Andrew Lloyd Webber, Stephen Sondheim, and Janine Tesori rank them from least likely to most likely to wear a MAGA hat. Uh, I, 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 I think I feel like um, Andrew Lloyd Webber would just wear it by accident, not really realizing it's on his head. Sure, I get that. He's British and old and rich. He's out of touch in a He'd lot of ways. He'd be sleeping in some way. It would fall on his head and he'd just like, yeah. not realize it was there. So he would be the most likely, you uh, think? He'd be the most likely. And then I think a second place would probably be, uh, uh, we'll, we'll just say Stephen Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't want to stay. Oh, wait, no, Stephen Sondheim. Uh, I think, no, let's do Stephen Sondheim second. Okay. And yeah. then Stephen Schwartz third. And then the fourth person last, who I'm ashamed to say, I, that name doesn't sound familiar to me. <laughs> Janine Tesori? Janine Tesori, she wrote Fun Home and Shrek and uh, Violet. And- oh, yeah, we go way yeah. back. <laughs> she's, she's a Tony Award-winning, amazing composer. Anyway. Uh, Me too. What you've all heard here first, folks, is that uh, Troy thinks Andrew Lloyd Webber is a MAGA supporter and also does not support female composers. That's what we've gathered here today. Thank you, Troy, for that. Uh, another couple of fun questions for you. And I'm not going to apologize for it. No, don't. Be tr- own your truth. That's what this whole episode's about. And I'm glad mm. you brought it to our attention here today. Um, do you think square dancing really needs to be a part of our education system? Our American education system? Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. That's Moving it. on. Um, my last and final question for you yeah. before I say thank you for your time. Okay. Because we're getting to 50 minutes now and I have to edit these. And it's a long, it takes a long time. It's very tedious. You have to edit out all of the perfect. This is going to be a, a six minute episode six minutes. Once, I'm, once I'm done with it. Uh, today right here, I would like you and I to start a rumor about George Salazar. Okay. So what do you think we should do? Should uh, it be something scandalous or something really mundane, but just people would never suspect? I think I think I think we can do a bit of both. Okay, great. I mean, I think I, I, like, and I, I actually know George really well. Yeah, yeah. And he, I know that he owns a lot of uh, different properties around the world. He does yeah. well, and and he owns them for separate things. There's the tax reasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know that he keeps one of them, especially the property out in Idaho, that is strictly for sex. It's strictly for sex. Yeah. And for it's strictly for sex with members of uh, AA. Yeah, this it's it, he holds AA meetings in his home in Idaho, and then locks the and door. then 
and locks the door. And then whatever happens after that, I they call him the Epstein of musical theater, but like, I don't want to go as far as saying that. I've just heard that. Anyway, George Salazar, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think any of that's believable? Do you think anybody would believe that George Salazar has a sex dungeon strictly for AA people? In not Idaho. not not for AA people. I think that everyone should have a sex dungeon. I think that that's a I, really healthy choice for everybody. I agree. I really, really do agree. I'm yeah. sitting in mine right now. <laughs> this is how I decorate. Ever all of your guests have to look at look at all of your parents' musical yeah. posters while they exactly uh, while exactly they get railed. Yeah, yeah. Look at Sweet Charity. Uh, that's but George amazing. is one of the sweetest, nicest people in the world. Uh, Troy, he is. We love George Salazar. He's a good guy. And I, and I always have a good time with him as well. Troy, will you do me a favor? And someone who has had a career so far that really just seems like I'll, I'll take the opportunities that come my way. They seem to just spiritually or whatever, just landing in these great moments in your life at great times and pushing you to the next great thing in your life. Is there a secret to this or is there something that people, young people particularly, who might be listening to this podcast, what advice would you give them in terms of pursuing not a job, but a career in this Um, business? I don't want to say stay true to yourself, but like the the way that I approach like most, I'll just say the way that I approach most jobs or most auditions is I, I ask myself, how would I, how would I do this? And I honestly... I take like character bios into consideration. <laughs> I like that. I <laughs> like that. Sometimes I'll get an audition. And I'm like, this is not me at all. I'm gonna do something else. Yeah. And um, and I actually have booked other roles that way. I hope people hear that advice and they go, okay. So for my next audition, how would Troy do this? They, how, they, yeah, they don't just <laughs> copy copy me, and you'll yeah. be fine because I'm amazing. Kids, if you want to make it in this business, try your best to be like Troy Iwata because mm. uh, you'll definitely go as far as the eye can see. Yeah. And if one of your idols tells you to pay $500 for a class, do it. That's the it beginning. Four, it was That's 400 at the beginning 400. of this podcast. And now it's 500 Your memory seems to be coming back a little bit. Uh, Troy, I really, I can't thank you enough for taking the time and chatting with me and talking a little bit about your life, talking a little bit about your journey within show business. But above all else, I got to see you over Zoom. It might be over Zoom, but gosh, it feels good to talk to you because I just love you to death. Um, I got nothing else to say except for thanks so much for being here. I think you said enough. I think uh... (laughs) (laughs) that is the greatest place to stop this. I think you've said enough. I swear to God, my face hurt after recording this episode. I was laughing so much. Good heavens. I love that guy, Troy. Ah, And thanks for listening, everybody. Now we're talking as a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. Wow, I'm multitasking right now. You can find out more about me and this podcast at bpn.fm slash now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, that's the website. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can find me, your boy, Drew Gasparini. Tell your friends. Tell your mom's friends. Hey, special thanks to our guest, Troy Iwata. Man, do you make me laugh. And to all you listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcast. And keep tuning in for more amazing guests every single week. I'm Drew Gasparini, and this is Now We're Talking. Now don't forget to go rate and subscribe subscribe. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.